Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. You have your Bibles. If you'll turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we are continuing on in our Encourage You uh, study. I um, love this study. I love uh, the Word of God, period, but um, this is always uh, good to go through. Get there. There we go. So, the last uh, message that we were going through in this, a couple of points that we saw. Uh, kind of lead us to tonight's message, and um, it's, it's important to understand, we're going to talk about something uh, at the beginning that um, we've got kids in here, and so we want to make sure that um, you are prepared as parents, uh, because we have to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. Uh, we can't move beyond anything, um, but God's Word is clear in the issue that we're going to talk about tonight. And so we want to um, be faithful to that. And it kind of led up to this last week. And point number one was spiritual growth can never be undervalued. And number two was steadfast receiving and obeying God's word is imperative for all believers. And, you know, we saw those two points. And those two points uh, were going to illustrate, be illustrated with two basic charges, if you will, two uh, specific exhortations. And the first one has to do with fornication. It has to do with purity. And so verse 3 in, in our uh, study, last week we saw this already, uh, was this. It says, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And so, again, something very vital, something important, especially in our day and time, uh, when we are inundated with impurity and we are inundated with uh, just vileness and um, um, sickness all over the place. And so I want to pray tonight and get into this, and we'll see what God has for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you again for the music, the time to worship you and sing and celebrate who you are and give thanks to the things that you've done for us. And uh, again, just praise your name, Lord. We thank you for your word, and tonight we ask that you would just speak to us, that this message would go forth. And that we'd receive this message, your word, uh, on ready hearts. And Lord, if it's needed to be applied in our lives, if, if these things are um, important for us to apply specifically right now, uh, or for us to continue in, uh, or to even share with someone, Lord, I ask that you would uh, help us to, again, receive and then uh, be faithful with it. And uh, God, we ask you to just use me as a vessel that you'd be glorified in all these things. And so we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Scripture is clear throughout. We talked about this last week, that God's will for all believers is that we would be holy as He is holy. Peter tells us that. Be holy, for I am holy. So that's God's will. Again, here it says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, or the process by which God makes us holy. He desires that. That's God's will, is our sanctification. But as we saw last week, I just want to remind you of those verses. There's some other places in Scripture that God's Word says, this is God's will for your life. The first one that we looked at was coming up in our study. We'll see in chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. So it's God's will for His people for us to be 
a, a, a people of thanksgiving, a people with attitudes of gratitude, people that are always giving thanks to his name in all things. It says, in everything, give thanks. Um, and then the next thing that we saw was in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. It says, for so is the will of God. Here it is, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So again, we have to be uh, living our lives in such a way in the will of God that with that right doing, with that well living, with living inside the will of God, the, the ignorance of foolish men is put to silence. Again, these are aspects of the will of God, the all-encompassing will of God. People ask the question sometimes, I just want to know what God's will is for my life, what's contained in God's word, first of all. Uh, but many times when people are saying that, I want to know what God's specific will is for my life. We understand that there is a general will for all Christians. We all fall into that category. That's what these are talking about. We all are to be holy as he is holy. We all are to live our lives well so that the, 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 the foolishness of ignorant men or the ignorance of foolish men is put to silence. We are all to live our lives giving thanks. That's the will of God. But specifically speaking, somebody says, I want to know what God wants me to do. I want, I want to know what God, when God wants me to do this. I want to know this, these specific things. And that comes through, I believe, very clear and very passionate seeking of God himself. That comes in his word, in, the, in, in prayer, and that is, God reveals that to you. I've said this before, God's will, and you say, well, I feel like this is what God wants me to do. You've heard this. We'll never contradict three clear things that God has set up. God's will for you. So you say, I feel like God's leading me. This is God's will for my life. It will never contradict God's word. It will never contradict the spirit of God inside of you, which those two can't contradict because they're the same thing. Uh, essentially and so and then the third one is godly counsel godly counsel and that is godly counsel is always going to line up with god's word so again when you say i feel like god is leading me to do this i feel like this is god's will for my life uh, then you better have drenched yourself in god's word in prayer seeking to be led of the holy spirit and you better have sought counsel godly counsel proverbs chapter 22 it went out in this week's newsletter uh, it says this, or not 22, it's in Proverbs somewhere. Anyway, it's in the newsletter. If you, <laughs> you know, if you didn't get the newsletter, you can look online, you can click there and you can see it, but it's in Proverbs somewhere. Um, in the multitude, I think it's 1022 maybe, uh, Proverbs 1022. Uh, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And so we have to understand, again, this, this is what God has set up. So aspects of God's will, uh, but aren't the all-encompassing will of God for each of our lives. So... First of all, by means of expressing what living holy lives that become more and more like Christ every single day and becoming dedicated to God every day looks like, the Bible tells us we are to abstain from fornication. That's the very first way illustration of expressing um, or, or, or this exhortation in us becoming more holy every day. So this first instruction to growing in our holiness is abstaining from sexual immorality. Only by God's Spirit in us can any of us do that. Period. We are to avoid, the Bible says. This is what this essentially means. We are to avoid and abstain from any form of indulgence in this area outside of God's will, which includes adultery, premarital, extramarital, and homosexual activity. 
any and all forms of indulgence in these areas is to be abstained from. And the reason is very clear and very plain. God's blessing lies only within the confines of marriage. The blessing of God in this area lies only within the confines of marriage. It's only within that relationship that any passionate expression of any sort is to be made. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's what we are to do. Now, it's not popular to teach that. It's not popular. It wasn't popular when I was a youth pastor and preached it and taught it. It's not popular. Brother Jeffrey preaching and teaching it to our youth. It's not popular, number one, because it doesn't please the flesh, but it also doesn't go in accord with what the world is propagating, what the world is putting out that is okay. See, in our society, we're so saturated, we're so engulfed with just the opposite of what God's Word says. Matter of fact, if you aren't experiencing what Hollywood and what the world says is normal, then in their eyes, you are abnormal. You're broken. You're unwanted. You're a fool if you don't live as they say you should live. Matter of fact, most of the time in movies and shows, uh, the person standing up for morality, the person who is a Christian, is made to be the buffoon. They're made fun of. Someone who says, I'm not going to do that. I am waiting until marriage. The per that person is usually scoffed at and made fun of in, in Hollywood, in the movies, uh, the, the TV shows. And so... You're a fool if you don't live like they say you should live. And this is what they say is good and is, and is right and is normal. Here it is. Anything goes. That's what it is. That, that's what Hollywood's take on this area of our lives socially is. Anything goes. And so that's why you see it's, 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 uh, uh, it's widespread in the movies. It's it's permeated into television, it's spread across billboards, it's all throughout commercials, it's all over the internet, it's everywhere to saturate our lives to say this is normal. When God's word very clearly says that is sin. And, and for you to be holy as I am holy, the first instruction is to abstain from fornication, is to keep yourself pure in this area. But if we partake in what, the, what Hollywood, the world, says that we should partake in, again, which is anything goes, it robs us and it robs others of the blessings that can only be experienced inside of marriage. Not only that, it mars the testimony of the child of God who is supposed to be daily becoming more and more holy as he is holy. So when we don't observe this, we don't follow this, that's what it does. It mars the testimony. It affects the blessings of God. It affects, it becomes a ripple effect in our lives. I asked the question before, um, if I had in one hand the full blessings of Almighty God and in the other hand the absence of them coupled with consequences for not being in his will. Some of the consequences are conviction. Some of them are marred testimonies. Others are physical repercussions that last with us sometimes throughout our entire life. Some of them are emotional consequences that last with us the entirety of our life. But if that was one choice and the other was the other choice, which one would you choose? 
In my mind, all of us, in a right mind and a right heart, every single one of us would say, I choose the full blessings of God. But again, we have to understand what the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write here. He's saying, listen, this holiness that I want you to have, this life of becoming more and more holy, this process of sanctification that you are to have in your life, the only way that you can do it is, first of all, abstaining from fornication. But this is a matter of will. It's a matter of choice. You either yield to God's will, trusting Him, doing things His way, and falling in line with His plan, or we choose to rebelliously go our own way and live in the flesh. And I think if we were to stand and give it a testimony in here, most of us could say we've made a lot of mistakes going in our flesh. We've made a lot of mistakes choosing what we want versus what God's Word says and what God's will is. But it really does come down to a matter of walking in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. That's what Galatians chapter 5 says. It says that walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a difficult thing to do, again, when you're getting pummeled by the, the opposite every single day of your life. If you spend time watching TV at all, you're getting saturated with it. If you're watching movies on a regular basis, you're getting inundated with it. If you spend time on the internet without it being monitored, without it being secured, you're probably getting some type of uh, inundation with that as well. But here's the lie that the enemy throws. But if you do that, you're not really going to enjoy life. You're going to miss out. Here's another one that the enemy throws at, at, at Christians a lot. Ah, God will forgive you. You're saved. And besides that, it's not really going to hurt anyone in the end. Remember, God's a loving God. It's true, but in the context of the lies that Satan tells, they're lies. He told those same lies to Eve. He still tells them to us today. Remember what he said to Eve? God's word was very clear. Don't touch that. Don't eat that. In that day, you will surely die. God's word says very clearly, abstain from all you know, forms of fornication. You know, abstain from this so that you become more and more holy in your life. And he asked Eve, you should not surely die. Did God really say that? You're not really going to die. He just, he, just want, he just doesn't want you to uh, be as, as he is. He, just, he, don't, he don't want you to uh, enjoy what he's enjoying. Remember that, that lie I said a while ago? It doesn't really hurt anyone. Again, it did hurt someone. It hurt Jesus on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay. Beyond that, the Bible's clear that fornication does damage us. It does. With what's out there on the movies, without, out there in, in, in television, what's out there on, in, on the internet, and then on top of that, any type of the other relational issues that we talked about a while ago, extramarital, uh, premarital, homosexual, all those things is damaging. And this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 
And listen to this stark command. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. In other words, he knows that there's a deception that's, that's permeated the culture there in Corinth. This is what he's writing to the Corinthian believers. S similar in, in Thessalonica, similar to today in our society. But he says this, don't be deceived. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. What does that mean? What does that last group mean? It means those who are practicing homosexuality. And he goes on and says this, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Who are revilers? They're slanderers, backbiters, gossips, nor extortioners, swindlers, taking advantage of people, specifically in the area of finances. What will they not do? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's understand this. I've, I've preached this before. When we went through Corinthians, I, I made this very clear. What this is saying is these people are living these lifestyles. That's who it is. That's why it's identifying them as such. Idolaters. They live lives that are full of idolatry. That's the de definition of their life. It's not as if they have come up to a place in their life where they've fallen down and they've allowed something to come into to, to place a, a form of, of an idol in their life. It's not talking about that. As we know as Christians, we can all do that. Uh, same thing. Jesus said, hey, if a man looks at a woman in his heart, he's already committed adultery already. We know that those things can happen to Christians, but it's those who are living lives like this. These are, these are their lifestyles. And then look what he goes on to say in verse 11. And such, look at that next word, were some of you. You all used to be those people. You used to live lifestyles like that. You used to be saturated with immorality. You used to be saturated with, with, with covetousness and idolatry and, and, and all these things, gross sins. That's what your life was. But look what he says. But you're washed now. You're washed and you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means it's like in God's sight, you've never sinned because of Jesus and, and by the Spirit of our God. And then he explains this in verse 12. All things are lawful unto me. He, li literally, I have the liberty to do whatever I want to do. All things are lawful for me. I, I, can, I can do that. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't face consequences or chastisement or won't face the repercussions and all that. But all things are lawful. And he says this. But all things are not expedient. All things aren't beneficial. You know, we have those discussions sometimes in, in, our, in our Christian circles and even maybe with, with lost people about those areas that we say are gray, right? The areas that Scripture is silent. We say, well, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not this. Or the Bible doesn't say that thou shalt do this. And so what am I supposed to do with that? And in many regards, sometimes we just step back and say, is this beneficial? Is this expedient? For, for me, for others, for the body of Christ. And, and a lot of times that, sh that governs our decisions or should govern our decisions. When some people pridefully say, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks about what I do or don't do. I'm just going to do this or not do this anyways. Paul basically says, I could do that if I wanted to. I could just be, you know, even though it's the wrong heart, wrong spirit. All things are lawful. He says, but not everything's beneficial. He says, all things are lawful. And listen to what he says here. But I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not let anything have power over my body, even though I can, I can uh, you know, choose to do something or choose not to do something. I have that liberty now as a Christian uh, to either please God or even displease God. I have that liberty. I realize that, that all things aren't beneficial. And not only that, I've determined that I'm not going to let anything in this life control me except for the Spirit of God. 
That's my determination. We know that Paul struggled. We know that Paul was a real man. We know that he didn't hit the nail on the head every single time because in Romans chapter 7 he says, there's times that I do the things that I don't want to do and there's times that I don't do the things that I want to do. I see a battle within my members and it's warring against each other. It's this, I find two laws. I'm trying to obey two laws in my life. With the flesh, with the outer man, I'm trying to obey the law of sin. But the inward man delights after the law of God. It wants to do what God's will is. It wants to do what God's word is. And so he goes on further and explains what he's talking about. And so he says, meats are for the belly and the belly for the meats. But look at this. But God's going to destroy both it and them. I mean, eventually one day these old bodies are going to be put off. And that's what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This, this tabernacle is going to be dissolved. One of these days we're going to put it off. The meats that we put in it right now, the bellies uh, that we have, they're, they're all going to disappear. And that's what he says. But he explains. Now the body is not for fornication, but it's for the Lord. It's not to be used however you want to do it. Just because you think you can or just because you say you can doesn't mean that you can. It's not yours. It's for the Lord, he says. And the Lord's for the body. That's what God designed in the very beginning. And God hath both raised, uh, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? So shall I take them the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot. Can I, I just, if, I, if I'm a part of Christ, do I just take my body and do with it with whoever I want to, whenever I want to, if, it's, if I'm a part of Christ? And his answer is this. God forbid. No. No way. And then he's asked the question, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to harlot is one body? He says, remember, uh, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So his answer is this. Flee fornication. Run from it. Flee from it. Don't flirt with it. Don't mess with it. Don't dance with it. Don't, don't do anything with it. Don't have anything associated with it. Flee, run from that. So I think I can control it when I get on the internet. I think I control it when I have that conversation. I think I can control it when I watch these movies. I think I can. No, he says flee fornication. Again, which is sexual indulgence. And then he explains this. Remember the question or the, the statement at the very beginning? It's not hurting anybody anyways. God's word says, Every sin that a man doeth is without his body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It's a damage. That sometimes and most times is irreparable. It doesn't mean that God can't hear, he'll help restore. It doesn't mean that God can't do that. But there is something sacred about marriage. And today in our culture, it has been torn down. The sacredness of what God created. It's being attacked in every single aspect. It's being attacked every single front, the, the sacredness of marriage. And so when, when we look at this and we say, why is this such a big deal? Because God created male and female. He created male and female. That's what he designed. The institution of marriage. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he says that this marriage relationship, this first and most important social relationship on this earth, this marriage relationship actually is an illustration of our relationship 
with Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. And so that's why he's saying, don't have anything to do with anything that would defile the purity, the holiness of your own person, and not only that, the purity, the sanctity of marriage, which illustrates our relationship and holiness, one spirit with God Almighty. And so point number one tonight is this, purity is a vital element to our growth in holiness. For fear of self-righteousness and legalism, many people have swung the other way in this topic. And sadly, churches and so-called ministers and, and so-called pastors have adopted uh, perversions of what uh, God says is right. And they have said that it's just as right as what the Bible says is right, which is heterosexuality. And they say, well, no, it, this is, you know, God is love and, and this and that. Um, and so for fear of self-righteousness and legalism, a lot of times people have held their, held their tongues. And not only that, the church and Christians have also, on the opposite side, done a lot of damage in condemning in a, in a, in a self-righteous way this group of sinners. I mean, not necessarily to the extreme of Jonesboro Baptists, but a lot of people are close to that in their belief. And... So some people, again, for fear of, of getting close to that, have swung too far the other way, thinking that it's the only way to express love and compassion. But let's understand this. Love and compassion is still absolutely present in the child of God's heart who is in the will of God, desiring sincere holiness. And so when you and I say, I simply want to be holy I simply want to be in God's will. I want to become more and more holy like he is holy. When that's the desire of our heart and we speak from the truth of God's word, it's not legalistic. It's not self-righteous. It's not I'm better than this person. Again, it's in the process of becoming more and more holy. So um, you say, well, I, I, I don't know that you can do that. I don't know that you can actually have compassion on sinners like that are uh, completely engulfed in gross um, sexual sin and uh, do that and not, or in, and not be on the other side, one or the other. And I, I, I just want to consider Jesus Christ for a second. Jesus was never condoning of sin, any sin. Jesus never condoned sin. Even fornication, even adultery, even homosexuality. He never condoned it. He was always being truth at the same time. So that's who he was. That's what he did. He was also never accepting of sin, as he was never condoning of sin, never accepting of sin. But listen to this. He was always accepting of sinners coming to him in repentance. He was never sympathetic to sin. He never said, well, I kind of understand why you would want to do that. I he never was there. But he was always absolutely compassionate of repentant sinners. The only people that we see Jesus Christ get very uh, adamant with was the religious, self-righteous crowd. But to sinners, he wasn't accepting, he wasn't condoning or sympathetic to their sin. He was always compassionate, loving, and receiving of them when they came to him. In repentance. 
And again, let's talk about that just for a second because there are those in, in the group that swing too far to the, the side of compassion. And when I say that, I mean they swing to compassion in acceptance of sin, gross sexual sin. And that's what they say. Jesus accepts sinners just as I am. And that's a perversion of God's truth. Jesus never accepted anybody without repentance. Never. Never. They were all sinners in their state. They didn't do anything to make themselves better. They didn't do anything uh, to, to change their condition. But in the moment some of them met Jesus, they had a decision to turn from their sin or not. The woman caught in adultery, good example. The woman at the well, another example. The Thessalonians lived in a pagan culture, and it was saturated by indecency and perversion as well. And if that doesn't sound familiar, man, we've got our heads in the sand. But that's what we're saturated with, with perversion and indecency you know, I, I, we were talking about this the other day in, in 2011. I was talking to the church in, in 2012. Uh, I, I was really being burdened that we were about to see something catastrophic happen in our country. Uh, they were talking about something possibly making it to the Supreme Court. And when we found out that it was going to be presented to the Supreme Court, we began to desperately pray in our church. And when it went the way that none of us were praying it would go, some of you remember I said, you know what? Unfortunately, I believe this is just the beginning of a snowball. I believe that it's going to find its way to conservative Texas sooner or later. And I think within a year's time, we were battling it. And it seemed like the floodgates were open because then it became uh, Planned Parenthood and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, abortion and, and everything just began to kind of flood open. And so now we find ourselves today where it's still alive in, in, a, in a real battle, even legally in our nation. And some people say, well, we're not concerned about the legality. It's just where we're at as a nation. That's just where we're at as a nation. When a nation says, it's okay, it's right, that's the sign of where the people are. And so we're saturated by it. But for you and I, the child of God, it's to be very clear. Holiness and fornication are mutually exclusive. There's nothing about Christian liberty that can justify fornication. There's nothing. Matter of fact, we are told that we are not to use that liberty that we have in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 for an occasion to please our flesh. But a question that I have tonight, maybe some of you, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're there, maybe you know someone that's struggling with it. Here's the question. Maybe you've got a teenager. Maybe your child. How can I help them? How can I avoid the pitfall? How can I teach this next generation to avoid the pitfall of this sin that keeps us from holiness, from this, this lifestyle that keeps us from becoming more and more like Christ? Look at verse 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. It falls on parents. It falls on grandparents. 
to teach our kids and the next generation that holiness is okay. That holiness is good. That holiness is right. That holiness is something that we should all be striving for and desiring in our lives. That when the world says that's weird, that's odd, that you're a reject, you're a fool, when the world says that, we are able to say by God's word, that is, that is blessing, that is favor, that is promise, that lifestyle of holiness, that's where you want to be. You want to live a life of holiness. So wait, so are we trying to raise up monks and nuns? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about raising up a generation that comes and sees the culture they're facing saturated and inundated with indecency and, and, and perverseness. And they are able to say, I am possessing my vessel in honor and sanctification. I have a responsibility with every choice and decision I make along my path and my life and my journey. I have decisions that I have to make that are either going to help me become more holy as he is holy. holy, Or I'm going to fold into the majority and not, not live like that. And I don't know about you, but I want for my two little girls lives of holiness and sanctification. So what does this mean? Where, where's the brass tacks in this? What are you watching at your house? What are you allowing your kids to look at? What do they have access to? What are they allowed to watch? A lot of people disregard that because they say, that doesn't affect me. I've, I've preached this for years. None of us are immune. None of us. The truth is the garbage in, garbage out. That's the truth. We say, it doesn't really affect me like that. I can watch the same thing over and over, and I can hear the same thing over and over, and it just doesn't affect me. That's a lie that Satan has told you and you've bought. I've used the illustration many times before. There are things that you still do today that someone taught you with their words and showed you with their actions that you still do sometimes subconsciously things like tying your shoe each of us leans over and ties our shoe without having to hear it again and be affected by that counsel be affected by that influence and and say okay now 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 i'm influenced by that again i can i can tie my shoe again no no, no it's just there well if we're saying something like that about something like tying our shoe then in this area of vulnerability that the Bible says that every sin that man commits with that is without the body, but he that commits fornication sinneth against his own body. And the scripture says flee fornication. It says that you should abstain from fornication if you are going to be holy and grow in your holiness. If this is the issue, because again, it points back to our relationship with God, the institution of marriage, the sanctity of what God has created, all those things are there. Then we've got to take it serious. There is a plague, an epidemic that has swept across our culture. And you can find it on the internet. You can find it in the movies. You can find it in, on the television. Kids become addicted to it. If you don't think Satan is aiming at something specific for a specific reason, we're fooled. 
And so we've got to take it this seriously. He says, here's how you do it. Here's how you avoid the pitfall, that you know how to possess your your vessel in honor and in sanctification, that you know how to carry yourself, you know what decisions to make, that you know what it looks like to live a life like that. How do kids know that? How will the next generation know how to possess their, their vessels in honor and sanctification? A couple of different ways. By what they see and what they're allowed to do. Do they see mom and dad possessing their vessels in honor and sanctification? Now, we all know that we can fall short in that. We miss the mark. But do they see grandma and grandpa possessing their vessels in honor and sanctification? And then they hear it from them, teaching them the importance of holiness and sanctification, the importance of purity and marriage, God's way. That's how you can avoid the pitfall. He goes on and says, Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentile which know not God, which is uncontrollable, uh, indulging lust, not living like them, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Listen to verse 7. For God has not called us to uncleanness or immorality, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, or in other words, he's saying, whoever disregards this, this, this issue, this matter of holiness, being mutually exclusive of fornication, whoever disregards this teaching... He says, despises or dis- disregards not man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. To control your own body in holiness and honor. I don't know about you, but I want our next generation. I want us. This, the, 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 the senior generation, the next generation. I want all of us. To have lives that revive the the specialness of honor and holiness. What it is to be honorable. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes, here's here's the deal. Sometimes I get watching hunting videos. Okay? And then there are other videos that come along. and, And it's kids acting like fools that I see. I mean, wanting to fight each other and, and, and just all kinds of just madness. And I'm thinking, I know that, I mean, that happened, that's happened for every generation, but what we have now is to, to live an honorable, respectable life is made fun of. To live a dignified and respectable life is scoffed at. But that's what we need in this next generation for them to, to know and to experience and to live out. So we've got to know these, these, these things ourselves. These two characteristics. While they may be forgotten in our day, scoffed at today, we got to know as the children of God, this is the only path to true, be, to true peace and, and abundant blessings. It's the only path. Um, we're not to live without control in the area of our lives like the lost do. That's what he says. We're not to wrong our brothers and sisters in Christ in this area because God will chastise us for it, it says. God's called us to live holy, to strive after that. And again, to disregard this matter of purity producing a greater holiness is to disregard God, 
Not man, but God. And so this is serious. So the first illustration, instruction to produce more holiness in our lives as, as children of God was holiness. But what's the second? The second is this as we, we finish this up. Verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more, and that you study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that, were, that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. So here it is. Fornication is to be avoided and loving other Christians more and more is to be activated. One is to be avoided, one is to be activated. So important. Number two, actively growing love for each other is vital to growth and holiness. Somebody said, I, I don't really understand. I get the purity thing. I, I get for us not to do certain things in, in a certain area of our life is going to help us become more and more holy. I get that. But how can loving each other more and more make me more holy? Now, we've already seen this. It's been already one of the points in this, in this study that our love for each other is to abound or increase, especially for Christians. The persistence, the consistence, the growth of our love should be manifested in our lives for each other. It, again, it's, it's made plain throughout Scripture, but Paul is now re-emphasizing that this is the way to become more holy. It's to love each other more. But he gives some of the ways and how, how this, this works. First was this, or number A, or letter A there. We should be living, we should be dedicated to living a restful life. What does that mean? A peaceful life. Even a drama-free life. Here it is. Not living lives that are too busy to love others more and to sub serve others. That's what he's saying. Say, if you're going to grow in your holiness, if you're going to be holy as he is holy, if you're going to be sanctified, becoming more and more like him, you need to grow in your love for each other. And there's no way that you can grow in your love for somebody else if your life is a restless life. You're all, there, it is constantly drama and constantly turmoil. You're constantly too busy. You can never focus on others to love them more. The Bible says all the law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Use not liberty as an occasion of flesh, but by love serve one another. That's... That's what he's saying. You, you don't need to be too busy with your job, with activities. You don't need to be too busy with entertainment. You don't need to be too busy with your own stuff, with the stuff in this world. You can't be too busy and become more and more like God because you can't love others more if that's the way your life is. The second way, letter B, to help grow our love, we're to mind our own business. Mind our own business. Now, in that, that, that can be uh, an oxymoron. That can be something that, that's, that, that's opposites if we, if we don't understand what, what he's saying here. Because if, we are to love, if we're not to be too busy um, about our business so that we can love each other more, yet we're supposed to mind our own business, what is he saying? He's saying this. You don't need to be busybodies in other men's affairs. You don't need to be meddling. You don't need to be gossiping. You don't need to be involved in other people's lives just for the sake of knowing the scoop. Why? Because this is damaging to your love for others. 
See, if, if that's where you're at, your, your love for someone can't be perfected. If you just want to know the juice, you just want to know the junk, you just want to have the scoop, if you just want to be involved in that metal, gossip, busybody, then you can't grow in your love for others. It's, it, it will stunt your growth. And if that's maybe where you're at tonight, say, that's honestly where I am. I just, you know, I, I, I look at the prayer chain, and it's just to find out what's going on in people's lives. Don't do that. Because if you don't see that prayer chain, you don't see what's going on in someone's life and it doesn't cause you to want to pray for them, then you've got to check that love that's not growing for them. And that's what he's saying. He's saying you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're focused on your business. You're not a gossip, a busybody meddling in someone else's life because that's going to damage your love. It's going to stunt your ability to grow in your love for them. And then the third way is to be a self-supporting person so as not to tax or to burden other people. Paul was an example of this in, in even several of the churches, uh, the Corinthians, even to the Thessalonians. Uh, he would either make tents, he would provide a way for himself. Uh, and the reason why Paul was doing that is because he didn't want anything brought against him by way of ac uh, accusation, that he was doing it for money, he was doing it for fame, uh, that his apostleship was not valid. So Paul says, you know, I'm just going to step back from any of this because I've got enough attacks in this area at all, and I'm not going to ask or take anything from you guys because this is the situation. But this can be missed when someone takes uh, this first one too far as well. What was the first one? Living a restful life. And Paul will address the Thessalonians because uh, they, they had a problem. They thought the day of the Lord had come upon them. We're getting there. Uh, and, they, and they thought, you know what? We're just going to stop working. We're just going to sell everything we have. We're just going to quit. And, and Paul eventually uh, scolds them for this. He says, no, 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 no. You're not to be loafing or you're not to be, you know, being taken care of. Every person has their own responsibility to take care of themselves and their own family. He even told Timothy that if, he, if a man doesn't do that, he's an he's a, a, um, infidel, I think is what he said. Um, and so that's, that's exactly what he's saying. He said, look, you don't need to live your life in a way that you're dependent upon other people, that you're not a self-supporting person, what does this mean? This brings the aspect of laboring and not living off of others. This type of life and this type of love is respected, and it's a great testimony even to the lost is what Scripture says. Now, I want to say this again. This is not advocating an isolated life. It's not saying, well, so if I'm supposed to, to, to mind my own business and I'm supposed to be self-supporting, then, I mean, how, how can I do both? Love others more and, and be engaged? It, it, it's simple. He's talking about those who truly can't do and help themselves. When everybody is self-supporting, the body's able to respond both responsibly, compassionately, and sensibly. And so again, this is how he's saying, if you, if you want to know how to, how to possess your vessel, if you want to know how to, how, to, how to do this, then you've got to actively grow in your love. And to actively, actively grow in your love, you've got to do these three things. So these two instructions help us to grow our, in our holiness. Purity. 
and an actively growing love for each other. That's going to help us become more and more like our God. That's what we need to be striving for. Tonight, maybe you pray this, God, help me be holy. Maybe it's not even on your radar. Maybe it's not something that's even a desire of your heart. Maybe you wake up day after day and, and all you think about is the job and the activities and the kids stuff. And, and, and it's not even on your spiritual radar. It's not even on your radar, period, about becoming holy as our God is holy. You're not even thinking about it. Tonight, maybe you come to the altar and you say, God, I'm sorry. You told me to be holy like you're holy. That I'm supposed to be growing closer to you. My sanctification, a process by which I yield myself to you and I strive and focus on you, and you do the spiritual work in my life of making me more like you. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm sorry, I want to start thinking about it. I want to be holy. And not only that, I want to make sure that I teach my kids and my grandkids that holiness is right and good. I want to make sure that my kids and my grandkids see that I'm striving after holiness, that I'm not perfect, that I'm not sinless, but I'm striving after being holy. I'm, I'm trying to be sanctified in, in my thoughts and my words and what we watch and where we go and what we do. I'm trying to be holy in those things so that they see that this is right. And when the world tells them that they're weird for saying different words other than curse words, or when the world questions them why they don't watch or partake in certain things, that they're able to know how to possess their vessel and honor and sanctification and not give in and not give in to the pitfalls that so many of us fall into but maybe that's where it starts God help me to be holy maybe tonight you say my prayer needs to be God help me to be pure and help me to grow in my love for the brothers and sisters in Christ because I know that's how I'm going to become more holy like you so help me be pure so I can be more holy like you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Got a, a difficult subject because our culture is so inundated, Lord, with immorality. We're saturated. Um, even as Christians, there's, it's, it seems to be on every corner. It seems to be everywhere. Our kids, it seems like they're younger and younger when they're exposed to more and more. And Lord, help us have wisdom. Help us have spiritual eyes and ears to hear and respond rightly to your word. Help us know how to teach both by our words and by our walk to this next generation what it is to be holy. Help us to show them that your ways are better. Regardless of how the world spins it, regardless of what the enemy says and how, they, how he plays on our flesh, that they would see truth, that they would hold to truth, and they would walk in truth all their days. God, so we'd have a next generation that grows up. That doesn't fall into some of the same pitfalls. Doesn't experience the life of destruction that Satan wants to see each of them take. Lord, help us take this seriously. Help us live it and help us teach it, Lord. Just move tonight in this invitation and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.